Well, it's good to see you guys this morning. Thank you so much, Matt. Uh, like you said, my name is Mike. This morning, uh, Matt and I have been talking, and um, and really, God has been doing a powerful uh, sort of work in our church back home, uh, really in terms of evangelism, like some incredible stories uh, of people radically getting saved. Um, and uh, through the, the invitation of the gospel, through uh, friendship, through uh, just people being bold, being loving with the good news about who Jesus is. And, um, and really, God has just stirred my heart in particular uh, about uh, truth in the Bible. And I, and I just this morning, what I want to do is I just want to, I want us to open the Bible really. We're going to be in Matthew 28. And, uh, and here's what I believe. What I believe is that when you understand what the Bible says happens when someone becomes a believer, when someone is saved, when someone uh, encounters Jesus, when you really understand what the Bible says about that, it completely transforms how you think about evangelism. Uh, And and so uh, it it actually, I think, lifts the burden. Jesus is one who he lifts burdens off of us. Just like when we come to Jesus in grace, uh, he bears the weight, right? He does the work that makes you righteous. He does the work that makes you forgiven. He does the work that heals you. Now, the Bible says, by his wounds, we have been healed. And just like he does the work in our salvation, uh, he does the work as we preach the gospel, right? Because he's the one who does salvation. So as we're sharing the gospel, he's the one who makes it happen. And we're really going to see that this morning uh, as we look at this. So uh, I'd like to start by reading Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It'll be uh, up behind me here. But I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to pray and... uh, and then we're going to jump in. <clears throat> so uh, this is Jesus, and, uh, and he has, he has, he's resurrected. So he's died on the cross, he's been buried in the grave, uh, and he's been resurrected. And there's this really cool window in the Bible where the resurrected Jesus spends about 40 days with the disciples, uh, which is, it's a pretty radical thought. Like he had overcome death. He's been physically resurrected. Uh, he actually in this, these accounts sort of disappears and reappears different places. So he's like teleporting around. So if you're like a Star Trek nerd like Matt, you're like, whoa, sci-fi Jesus. Uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so the thing, like, it's just this cool season of Jesus's life. And, uh, and this account, this quote that Jesus gave us, this is the resurrected, glorified, victorious Jesus speaking to his disciples. So there's some context for our passage. This is what it says. Jesus, uh, it says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I do just ask this morning that you would bless us that you would come this morning and and dwell heavily among us. Lord, I pray today that you would pour out a great faith on Trinity Church. Lord, that you would increase our faith, that you would increase our obedience to you, that you would increase our courage and our boldness as we look at your call to go and make disciples. Father, I pray that in this room today, you would awaken a, a new passion, a new gifting for evangelism, for sharing our faith, with boldness, with love, and with power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would help Trinity Church be a church that grows by salvations. Father, let this be a church that goes into a dark world and rescues people uh, from brokenness, from sin, through the good news of Jesus. Lord, you tell us you are the way, the truth, and the life, and it's true. It's true and it's powerful. You are the hope of the world, Jesus. And I pray that you would make this church bold in proclaiming the hope and glory of Jesus to the world around us. Father, we pray, fills with your spirit, fills with faith, stir our hearts, pour out an evangelistic fire here at Trinity Church. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so you may be somewhat familiar with this passage. This passage is actually called the Great 
Commission. And, uh, and this is how Jesus ends uh, the book of Matthew. Uh, so it's like the last thing he leaves the disciples with in the book of Matthew. And this is intentionally and masterfully placed here uh, where it is. It's sort of Jesus' standing orders. So he's overcome sin, he's overcome Satan, he's overcome death and hell, uh, and he's resurrected. And here he is, he's giving standing orders to the church, standing orders to his disciples. Uh, and, uh, and we have this very clear call in the middle, go therefore and make disciples. This is a call to action. Um, I often think, I meet Christians, uh, I've been a pastor for about 16 years now, and, uh, and, and I meet Christians who, uh, who, who they oftentimes feel like they lack God's power in their life. And one of the best ways to see God's power in your life is to step out in bold obedience to the call of Jesus. Uh, like, I'll just tell you, like, in my own life, in about the last, you know, seven, eight months, uh, God has powerfully just stirred my heart uh, for obedience and going and making disciples, going and sharing uh, the gospel. And in the last six, seven months of my life, I have led more people to Jesus uh, than any other six or seven month window of time. Uh, and it's been, it's really been built on this confidence that Jesus is the one who does the work. Just like he does the work in my life, he wants to do the work in other people's lives. And, uh, and actually last night before I was going to bed, uh, our youth leader texted me and there's this tr very troubled youth in our, in our youth. And last night he texted me and said, hey, I led, I led this kid to the Lord last night, and he said he wants to go all in for Jesus. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Like, this kid needs rescued. And here Jesus is, lifting him out of this pit. So there's this very clear call to action. And, and actually, I think we get this. We understand that there needs to be bold obedience when it comes to evangelism. We get that. But also, that can scare us a little bit, right? Uh, or it can scare us because it takes some courage to so walk we'll up to somebody and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Uh, and they, you, we might feel like, oh, are they going to mock me? Are they going to think I'm a weird, like, crazy Jesus person? Like, what are they going to... Uh, but there is no passage in the Bible that says, hey, don't do this because people are think you're going to be a little bit weird. In fact, it says people will hate you because they hated me. Jesus says that to us. Uh, and, and so I, I think we can, we can be intimidated by the prospect, uh, or we can, we can actually make it seem like it's somehow a work that we do. Uh, when I first got saved, I kind of got caught up in the action. Jesus is like, go and make disciples. I was spirit-filled. I was fired up. I was in my early 20s, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go, Jesus, uh, and I'm going to do this for you. But I think if we, uh, there is action here, but I think it's easy to miss the great power available to us uh, from Jesus. It's, it, there's great power and promise in this passage. There is great power and promise in this passage. Jesus starts it off. How does he start off? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Think about the weight of that statement. Think about how worried and fearful people you know are about where authority lies on this earth, right? People are in a full-blown panic uh, about where the authority is. Who has the authority? I know Christians who their entire faith has been shipwrecked by an obsession with people on the earth and who has what authority. And here Jesus is speaking truth. Like, like catch this. Don't miss this. The Bible is true. The Bible speaks truth. And the truth of the Bible, it, it empowers us as believers. It strengthens us as believers. And here Jesus is saying something really critical that you know and you believe. Right? Just in general, this is a great truth. He says, not just all authority on earth. He's saying he has all the authority on the earth. There is no power greater than him. There's nobody who gets elected to office and Jesus is like, oh no, the power balance is off, right? Hebrews 10:14 says, for by a single offering, uh, he has perfected those who are being sanctified. And it says, after he gave himself as an offering, he says he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Jesus is sitting, ruling, and reigning confidently with all authority. But not just all the authority on earth, all authority in heaven. Right? We might kind of understand what all authority on earth means, but like, what is it? He's like, I got all the authority on earth, and I've got all the authority on, uh, in heaven. Right? It's why right, we see Jesus casting out demons, healing the sick, right? bringing light into the darkest places because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And again, weigh this here. Think about this. 
This is what he says to his disciples before he tells them to go make disciples. He's like saying you're going in this context. You're going in the context that Jesus himself has all authority in heaven and on earth. That should be greatly comforting to you. And if that's not enough, at the very end of it, he says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth goes with you as you go to make disciples, as you boldly share your faith. And he's not with you sometimes. He's not with you temporarily. He's with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is here empowering his church, empowering his people. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he's doing that until he returns. Uh, So we've got a call to go, but it makes a huge difference, a radical difference when you recognize I'm called to go, but I'm called to go in the context of being sent by the one with all authority in heaven and on earth, but he doesn't send you from a distance. He's there with you always to the end of the age. So this right here, I'm just, I, I just want to lay for you a foundation for evangelism. This is the foundation Jesus lays. These are the things he says before he sends us out to, to make disciples. And, and obviously making disciples is more than just sharing the gospel, but it, it's the beginning part. And I often find, uh, I, I, I find Christians, you know, they're, they're okay with leading a Bible study with other believers or new believers, but one of the things that scares Christians more than anything often is sharing their faith with people who aren't Christians or people who they don't know where they're at with God, right? And and so this is the foundation for doing that, the foundation for sharing our faith, the foundation for beginning evangelism by sharing the gospel. Uh, And and the big idea here is it's not 95% your effort. I think I used to think about evangelism, right? And I'm sure some of you in this room, when you think about evangelism, you're like, it's 95% my effort. I gotta go all the way, and then God will 5% power. He'll provide that 5% that's the breakthrough. But the reality is, it is 100% God, and he's calling you to join with him. A good way to think about this is, you know, I've got a a three-year-old who who loves to help me make coffee. And uh, I don't know, if you know this, three-year-olds are not great at making coffee. And when I uh, go to make coffee, he's always like, Dad, I want to help. You know, Dad, can I help? Uh, and uh, he's almost four, uh, so he's speaking more clearly now. But uh, he, uh, he, he's like, he literally, I, just a couple weeks ago, I'm in there making coffee. He's like, Dad, I want to help. Dad, can I help you? And, and so he runs up, and I get a chair because I love to have my, I'm a, a good father loves to have his kids with him, right? Loves to have his kids drawn, his, his son, his daughter. Like, I love to have my kids helping. Here's the thing. He's not really contributing to the coffee being made. It's not 95% Lincoln and 5% me. Uh, it's 100% me, and if I'm not there, like, it's a mess, right? Like, you know that. If you try to do something in your life without God, it's like, it's a mess, right? But God's like, he's, he's watching, he's near, you know, and, and, and uh, he's so much more graceful than we realize, so much more merciful than we realize. So, you know, I'm making the coffee, and it's like, he wants to put it into the, you know, the little metal filter, and, and, and so it's like, but if I don't guide his hand, he'll miss, right? He'll miss it. Uh, it, it then he wants to pick the thing up, and he can't pick it up, and it's like, if, if he picks it up, it's going to be a mess. So it's like, I'm doing the work, and he's just there. But I'm so glad he's there because he's learning. He's learning to be like me. He's learning to do something. And this is exactly how I think God is in our lives. And, and we get to the end and the last step of the coffee. And, you know, the last thing you got to do is you got to push the button, which makes the coffee. And it's like the whole step. And then, you know, he always wants to push the button. And I just think that is our opportunity. When we're sharing the faith, oftentimes we get to see when someone's soul is transformed. A few months ago, several months ago now, uh, there's this guy uh, that um, I was praying about, and, and we went out to coffee, and we're sitting there at coffee, and, and as I was sitting there talking to him, uh, I opened up the Bible. He, he grew up Catholic and, um, uh, and just was like, you know, brutalized by, you know, some, some lies about his identity, like just guilt-ridden, you know, he didn't do a good enough job, God couldn't love him, he had all this ground to make up, I open up Matthew 11, you know, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And I read that to him and I share the gospel to him. Uh, and he's like, he's like, well, I, I've never heard this before. 
like, Jesus pays it all? And I was like, yeah. I was like, that's what the whole cross is about. And he's like, well, I knew he hung on a cross. And it's like, if you were Catholic and didn't know he hung on a cross, I don't know where you're looking, because like, Jesus on the crucifix, right? Like, he knew that, but he didn't know the extent of his salvation. So he's like, are you sure? And so I, Hebrews 10, 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected, past tense, those who are being sanctified. And he's like, really? And so I'm like, tell, I told him the gospel like four times we're sitting there at Panera. And then finally, he looks at me and he's like, I get it. He goes, I'm in. He goes, let's do this. Uh, and, and, and so I'm like, okay. And when I'm leading people to faith, what I do is I say, hey, here's, here's what we're going to pray for. We're going to pray through uh, that you, know, you believe that you're a sinner, that you're broken, that you need forgiveness and redemption. All right, we're going to pray. You're going to pray that we believe Jesus died on the cross. He, he alone does the work that leads you to forgiveness. And we're going to, we're, we're going to pray that Jesus, when he died, he was buried. But he didn't stay buried. He didn't stay dead. Your sin died. Your brokenness died. But he burst from the grave. And he will raise you to new life. And we're going to pray, hey, I'm going to fully surrender to you, Lord. I'm going to give my life completely to you. I'm going to repent of my sins. And I'm going to turn to you and run uh, into your grace and mercy. Uh, and I'm like, hey, do you want to do this? And he's like cutting me off while I'm explaining. He's like, let's do it. And I'm like, I, I, I got to each one. He's like, let's do it. Let's do it. And, and so we pray, and I look at him. Uh, after we're done praying, I was like, hey, you feel any different? He's like, I feel so different. He's like, I got, he's like, I got this joy. And he actually, he, he, this guy, you know, he struggles with some, some mental health issues. And I've been, it's been months, and I've been doing discipleship with this guy. And a few weeks ago, I was talking to him. He goes, I do not. He's like, I don't know what's, he goes, I, I mean, I know what it is. He goes, but I can't believe it. He's like, I have a joy I've never known. And he's like, it's just always there. It's like, I'm not perfect, but he's like, man, I got this joy I've never known. And now we're discipling, and now he's starting to share the gospel with other people. And uh, it's just this powerful story. But it's this thing, like, when you see God shine his light into someone's soul, and they just, for the first time, they're born again right in front of you. I mean, it's an incredible thing. It becomes very obvious and very clear. God does the work. And we get, to, we get this opportunity to kind of push the button, share the faith, and, and see people come through. I got another passage for you here. This is Matthew 9, uh, 36 through 38. This is one of my personal favorites. Uh, and uh, this is Jesus. It says, when he saw the crowds, big, huge crowds had followed him. All right. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There's a couple of things I think are really important about this. So a little bit later uh, in this message, I'm going to talk to you about having conversations with people you do not know uh, all over the place, uh, you know, coffee shops or, you know, on, on a walk or, you know, maybe even on the train. Uh, if they don't want to talk to you, it'll be pretty obvious, uh, which maybe that's very obvious sometimes. Uh, but like, Here's the thing, like, I, I believe a very compassionate view of humanity is incredibly helpful. And it, what Jesus did, he looked at the crowds, he looked at the people, and he's like, everybody's harassed and helpless. And as I talk to people and engage with people, what I find, I, one, I'm surprised how many people want to talk. I think we're living in a particular time where people are especially lonely, they're feeling especially underloved and unloved. Uh, and I think they're feeling, I think people, like, social media kind of creates an illusion that you're heard, but I don't think most people are really heard. And I don't think the stuff that really matters to them, they're being heard. I don't think the people in their relationships with, they're really being heard. And so you and I as Christians get to show this great amount of love when we just walk up, you know, we sit down with people or waitress or waiters or wherever we're at, we just say, hey, you know, how's it going? And we begin to talk to them and, and the burdens that come out and the things that come out, like, and I'll just stop and pray with people, you know? Sometimes it's Christian brothers and sisters. Sometimes it's people who don't know what they believe about God. But I'm listening and I'm loving them. And, and I just think Jesus was so motivated by compassion. And what you'll find is, I think we can have a false view. Like our culture, the way of man turns everyone into like an enemy. But Jesus didn't look out and say, oh, you're all enemies. He was like harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. It motivates love. It motivates service. It motivates vulnerability. All things Jesus did. I think these are the kinds of things we are supposed to be as Christians, right? Don't you want to live a life that looks a lot like Jesus' life? I mean, I just think capturing this and understanding this, as you begin to talk to people, like I, the more people I have talked to in the context of, uh, of trying to really just hear where they're at and share the gospel with them, you know, in the, in the context that they're at, the more my compassion for humanity has grown. I, I actually think in-person conversations, <laughs> I think this is something we're going to see trending up. It's something that's very, I mean, we're made for it. We're relational creatures. 
And many people are lacking it. Uh, Many, many people are lacking it. But Jesus says something else here. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And what he means by that is he's saying that there are many people ready to receive Christ and become his disciples, but there are not many people who are sharing the gospel in their lives. I find this to generally be true. And I don't think that the, 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 the power here is in like making people feel guilty for not sharing their faith. I, the goal of this message is to stir you, to give you faith, that when you understand what the Bible says, it, it, it raises up faith within you. When you recognize that God does the work of salvation, it raises up faith in you. And here Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, the harvest is small. He's saying people are ready to give their lives to Jesus. They're ready. All right, that, I think it's a big reason why I've seen, you know, in the last six or seven months, several people give their lives to Jesus. More so than any other, it's because I'm just being bold. I'm just trusting the word. I'm just saying, hey, you know, have you given your life to Jesus? This, there was this young couple that uh, a few weeks ago, um, they kind of showed up at the church and, and you could just tell they were desperate. And again, they just, they didn't know anything about Christianity. You're like, here they are in America, which some people would be like, oh, this is a Christian nation. But I find most people don't really know what the Bible says. Most people don't really know what Christianity is about. When you ask most people, here's what they'll say. Oh, you know, Christianity. Like you say, well, what is Christianity? They say, oh, you'll be a good person, you'll go to heaven. And you're like, are you a good person? They're like, I think so. Uh, and, and, and it's like, well, guys, that's not Christianity. <laughs> Christianity is, you, you're far worse than you could ever imagine, but God is far greater than you could have ever asked. Right? And we cannot do it. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot do the righteous works. The whole Old Testament is that. Like, the, the Israelites could not follow the law. They kept failing and falling, and God had to constantly redeem them. And he gave them the sacrificial system. That was actually a system of grace. He was saying, hey, something else's blood will be spilled in your place for your sins, and you can be forgiven. But they were so broken that they, they just constantly are sacrificing over and over and over again. And so God, in his infinite mercy and grace, he's like, I'm going to come and be a one-time sacrifice. I'm going to give myself, my infinite, perfect, flawless self, that humanity can be forgiven forever. And not just forgiven forever, but transformed from the inside out. And people don't know this is the, the gospel. So again, I'm sitting in this, I end up in their living room, and their kids are running around, and it's crazy, and I'm just, I, I'm opening up the Bible, and I'm just sharing the gospel with them. And we get to the end of it, and I said, hey, I go, I, I walked them through, you know, the kind of the things that we're going to pray for, and I said, listen, I go, you don't need me to pray this prayer. You can pray this to Jesus. And so I was like, I could write it down and give it to you, and I go, or we can pray it right now. And they're literally like, let's do it now. And what I'm finding, th- this is wild, right? This is like, they were more eager for me to lead them to Jesus than I was to lead them to Jesus. And I was really, really eager to lead them to Jesus. And the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. And all of this adds up and, and comes to a culmination. Another promise in the Bible, Acts 1.8. Uh, Jesus, another quote from Jesus. He, he comes to the disciples, and, and this is during the resurrected uh, Jesus' life. This is recorded by uh, Luke, the physician who wrote Luke, and he wrote Acts And this is what he says. He tells the disciples not to go anywhere, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit is God himself. Uh, The Bible teaches us God is God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. God is uh, three in one. And and, and so the Holy Spirit is God, and, and Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth, right? So God promises to fill us with his very spirit. And and this filling does two things. One, it will stir you to share your faith, to be bold. The first sign of being spirit-filled is that you're ready to talk about Jesus with people. You feel emboldened to talk about Jesus with people. But it's not just just a boldness. That, that, that you want to do it more. It's an empowerment, right? So there's spiritual power as we share the gospel, right? So it's like, it, it, it's, it's a hard thing to see until you just start doing it, because like, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, my background is as a scientist, and you know, I, I love physics and, and biology and chemistry and like logical arguments and philosophy and that kind of stuff, and there's a, this process of like your mind kind of being like, oh yeah, okay, I get that, and it kind of takes this long time, but there's something too when you share the gospel in the power of the Spirit, when someone wakes up in front of you and you're like, what just happened? I just saw a miracle. And the New Testament's full of these things. And think about in your life. I like, like, I want you to think about this for a second. Every single one of you, you can, when you think about when you came to faith, like all through your life, different times, different moments, different seeds were sown. Uh, and there was, there was like a, oh, I get it moment. 
And maybe you got saved really young, but, but as you mature as a Christian, you have these little mini miracles as you sort of wake up increasingly so, right? You've had moments of your life where God miraculously, just your brain, you suddenly understand. You suddenly see deeper, right? That's a miraculous work of God, right? So the Holy Spirit in us stirs us to share and bear witness about Jesus, stir, which bear witness just means talk about Jesus, share the gospel, but it also empowers us as we share about Jesus. The Holy Spirit dwells in truth and moves hearts as we preach the truth. All right, so the big idea here that I'm trying to drive home is that salvation is a miraculous work of God done by God through the faithful sharing of the good news about Jesus. Isn't this so good to know? All right, doesn't this just stir you to evangelize? Like Jesus is like, hey, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. And he's like, I'm, he's doing it all. Like, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. He's with us always to the end of the age. It's his authority that people get saved through. It's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that changes human hearts. And it comes through the bold sharing of the gospel. Salvation is a miraculous work of God done by God through the faithful sharing of the good news about Jesus. I think maybe some of our Western culture has influenced us. We just, we like want to logically understand every step or, or this idea of how people just come through, but there is a miracle happening when people get saved. You've experienced it if you're in this room and you're a believer, right? Like I, well, I remember, like I was just suddenly different. It was like suddenly my mind was totally changed. Suddenly my personality, my identity was totally changed. And it happened as I read the Bible and I met Jesus. Uh, and I've never been the same since. Uh, but the, the, what's interesting is there's actually a story in the book of Acts, in Acts 10, uh, where I think we see this happen. Um, and, and so I'm just going to read you this account. This is in Acts chapter 10. Um, and uh, so Peter, uh, one of the disciples who walked with Jesus, he was full of the Holy Spirit, uh, and uh, he, he's just a, one of the kind of early church leaders. Uh, he went to this group of uh, Christians, uh, or this a group of non-Christians, rather, uh, who were actually non-Jewish. They were Gentiles. Um, and, uh, and God sent him. Because Jesus, what's he say? He makes disciples of all nations, every people group, every culture, every race. All people are called into the kingdom of God. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, right? You mix this like this view of like all people on earth are God's people that he wants in his kingdom. And you mix this with Jesus looking out at all people and he sees them as harassed and helpless. He has compassion and he wants to draw them into yourselves and to himself, uh, what you see is just this radical picture. There's a reason why Christianity is, it is, by the way, if you didn't know this, it is the single greatest movement in all of human history. There's no movement bigger. There's no movement that's lasted longer. There's no movement that's had more change. There's no movement that's, that, 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 that's changed more in the world, rather. There's no, no movement that's had more historical impact than the movement started by Jesus, right? So here in the book of Acts, we see this, Peter going to a different people group, a foreign people who he would have before, uh, Jesus never went and sat with, never went and ate with, never went and talked with, and Jesus sends him to preach. And so Jesus goes and he's in the middle of sharing the gospel. He's telling them about Jesus. And here's what it says. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, he's in the middle of his presentation, the middle of his sermon. It says, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised, that is the Jewish group, who had come with Peter, were amazed. They were like, what is happening? Their entire worldview was being flipped upside down. Why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, which before Jesus only dwelt in the prophets, or in the king, and like King David, or King Saul, or King Solomon, these guys are seeing the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, that dwell in the temple, that only, the priest could only go in one time a year to be in the manifest presence of God. And here they are on Gentiles, because of the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is pouring out, and it happens through the presentation of the gospel. He's sharing the gospel, and the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. All right, so they, they've come into faith in Jesus. They haven't even been baptized in water yet. The Holy Spirit came and filled them up. It was a miraculous work of God 
through the preaching of the gospel, through the sharing of faith. And Peter, here he is. He's just in the middle of his preaching. And it's like, can you imagine that? Like, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Like, if you go and begin boldly sharing your faith, boldly talking about Jesus, here's what will happen. You, you know, you'll have people who aren't interested. You'll have people who seem disinterested. You'll, you'll have people who don't want to talk at all. But you'll have people who, who are interested. And you just you keep going, and you keep sharing. And what will happen is you'll slowly begin to see, again, I think obedience operating in faith is where we see God's power at work. I don't know about you, but I want to see this. I want to, I want to be talking to people and just see God's salvation hit uh, right in the middle. In fact, I think I've gotten close, right? I think some of these stories, I'm like talking to people. I'm like, I don't know how this happens or when this happens, but boom, they're like, we're ready. It's like, oh, oh great, it's happened, right? Uh, and uh, it, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's come to Christ, and let's grow in this. And and seeing the change. There's another woman in our church. Uh, her name's Juanita. She's actually going to be at Celebration Midwest, and she's going to share one of the craziest testimonies of salvation I have ever heard in my life. Uh, and uh, she was an antagonistic, atheistic person. She hated Christians about two and a half years ago. That's where she was. She was desperate. She sought Jesus. Uh, and through praying to Jesus, he revealed herself or himself to her and she got radically saved. And she comes up to me and she's like, she's like, Mike, I wish you could have known me before. And I'm like, from everything you tell me, I don't. I think you would have hated me. Uh, and she's like, and her husband's like, I can't believe what's happened. Like, uh, and he grew up in like a Pentecostal church. And it's funny because he was basically like a prodigal. His wife gets radically saved from a completely non-church background, a completely unchurched background. Uh, and, and, and he's like suddenly like got all these, he's able to shepherd her because he's like, and God wakens his faith. And all their kids have been baptized. Like, you know, in the Bible, when a whole family gets saved, like we've had that happen, which is part of why we're going to have him share at celebration. And, uh, it, but it's just incredible because she's just, like, I used to be so angry all the time. And she goes, I just feel so free. She goes, I was so shy. I couldn't talk to anybody. She like regularly texts. She invited like 28 people to our Easter service. Like that's insane. And I think 25 of them came. So like, here's the thing. Like, not only did she get radically saved, like the spirit is on. Like I invite people to church all the time. Her hit rate is so high. Like the Holy Spirit <laughs> The Holy Spirit is on this woman, like, and she just, she invites, and it's like, like, it's, that's a gift, that's a spiritual gift, it's like, it's beyond our understanding, like, I've been doing it way longer, I've read all the books, and her hit rate is higher than mine. <laughs> I'm not jealous. No, uh, we're, 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 we're very good friends, and it's such a joy to get to disciple, uh, not just her, but her family. I have a 14-year-old daughter who's coming to a youth camp this summer. It'll be the first youth camp ever. She loves Jesus, and she got back, and it's just a sweet, wonderful story of God miraculously rescuing a family, pulling them out of darkness from a place of hate, despair, depression, purposelessness, into the glorious, wonderful kingdom of God. They're just undone by, like, the love of the church. What was sad was one day I was talking to her, and I said to her, because she got saved, and it took her two years to come to church. And she looked at me, and, and I, go, I go, she's like, I'm so glad we came. She goes, this has been, she goes, I didn't even know church was like this. It could be like this. You guys are a part of a church like that. I just want you to know. And I said, well, what, why didn't you come? And she goes, I was just worried the church was going to mess up what I already had with Jesus. And I was like, oh, I hate that that's the case. Now, the, here's the answer. The answer is not looking out and saying, how dare the church? The answer is being as much like Jesus as we possibly can. Because I guarantee you, when people see other people walking in the power of the Spirit, walking in this kind of bold faith, it is transformative, not just to church communities, but wider communities. Right? This Chicago needs you guys to be Spirit-filled and as much like Jesus as you possibly can be, as dependent on Jesus as you possibly can be. And what you will begin to see, you will see, you will see power that transcends human understanding. You will see power that transcends, you know, the, the logic and the argument and the intelligence and the education of our world, uh, and at the same time is incredibly loving, gracious, uh, and powerful. That's who Jesus is. He transcends our culture. He transcends times. He transcends nations, right? Uh, so what does this mean for us practically? Hopefully this is stirring you guys up. I don't know where I'm at with time, Matt. Usually you got a timer for me. Oh, he just waves me on. That's a dangerous thing to do. Give me, a, give me like a, like, I don't know, wave me off the stage or start playing me off the stage back there, you know, with amazing grace or something just quietly. So what does this mean for us practically? Uh, here's the thing. Our primary job 
in evangelism is to be, to be faithful to Jesus. There's our first, like faithful in love, faithful in obedience, faithful in service, faithful in action. Here's the thing, serving is not a burden. When you begin to see, like when you view the world as, man, people are harassed and helpless, and there's this divine eternal call in Jesus, like I can serve in that, or I can serve myself. Like, which, do I want to serve myself, or do I want to serve in the divine eternal call of Jesus? Oh, I want to serve in the divine eternal call of Jesus. And when you realize, man, the need is everywhere. Like as I walk closer to Christ, my compassion is just, it has just grown greatly. And before Jesus, I was not a very compassionate person. And actually where Jesus has brought me now, sometimes as a Christian, I'm like, I'm ashamed personally of my lack of compassion that I often have. But I find Jesus is growing me and he's so, so good. So our primary job is to be faithful first and foremost. Uh, faithful to Christ, faithful, you know, in our relationship with him, loving, compassionate. But we need to mix that faithfulness with bold and direct sharing of the gospel. Bold and direct sharing of the gospel. Uh, this is the pattern of Jesus. Very faithful, very loving, very compassionate, very bold, right? Who's bolder than him? I mean, I read the New Testament, I'm like, dang, Jesus? Like, for real, man, like, you've, you, I know you've had this experience. If you read the New Testament, you're like, oh my goodness, like, meek and mild Jesus is like, he's making a quarter whip, flipping tables and chasing people through the temple. Like, it's wild. We're real wild. Right. He's healing on the Sabbath. Like, I, that, like, by the way, don't miss how crazy healing on the Sabbath is. Uh, it, like, he, it, it was intentional. Like, he's healing on the Sabbath, it, like, in the synagogue. Like, he's going, and it's just, it's what, this man was, was wild. This God man was wild. Bold, direct, faithful, loving. Right? The healings in the temple are, that's a great example. Compassion and loving. You know, just healing people who had been, you know, crippled or sick, you know, or demonized for, you know, a long, long, long time but boldly and direct. He could have done it, like, not on the Sabbath. He was bold and direct. He was making a point, making a point about his authority. He was making a point about the goodness and love of God, what the real meaning of Sabbath is, which is rest in Christ, life in Christ. Right, so I, practically, we got to be bold, loving, direct. I think there's two broad categories of evangelism, relational evangelism, and I will call it, I call it casual evangelism because it sounds less scary. Uh, some people call it street evangelism, but, uh, which I, I think is, is maybe a category, but when I think of street evangelism, I think like you get a group of people and you're going out directly to evangelize um, and uh, in the streets uh, with Jesus. Uh, and so casual evangelism is more, you're just ready all the time to have a conversation. And the way that I, the way that I do this is I'm just I'm that guy, you know the guy you sit on at the train, and he's like, hey, how you doing today? And you're like, please do not talk to me. But here's the thing. We have the Holy Spirit, uh, and he cracks open hearts. Uh, and so what I find is that, uh, is that people want to talk to you. They do want to talk to you. Actually, my experience has been in the big city. Like, I feel like more people are conversational and social uh, for the most part. Uh, and, uh, you know, then, then even, like in St. Joe, where I'm from, it's like a small, it's a mid-sized town. Uh, but like... Um, you know, it's 80,000 people, not like 500 people. But uh, like people are a little more shy. They're a little more reserved. But, uh, you know, there, there's these two categories. And I, I'll start, let me start here with, uh, I'll start with relational evangelism real quick here. I don't want to get too far into casual evangelism. Relational evangelism is having spiritual conversations, sharing the gospel with people you have regular friendship with or contact with, your friends, neighbors, coworkers, family. Here's, let me, I'm going to give you one thing on this. These are people you talk to a lot. These are people who maybe they have big objections. I, I want to just encourage you. Um, be bold. Hey, you know, when was the last time you read your Bible? Hey, when was the last time? Have you ever really thought about Jesus? Like, what do you know about Christianity? You know, um, I mean, just be extra bold. Like, I tend to find out, like, I, I have realized that I've been less bold with my friends. Some of these, these people got, got led to Jesus in the last several months are people who were close friends of mine. I just was like, Lord, salvation's a miraculous work that you do. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to ask them about it. And, and some were ready to give their lives to Jesus. And I, I hadn't known it until I was bold enough to invite them in. Um, right? So I would encourage you there. Um, you know, the other day, it was, uh, I think it was Easter. We were at my parents' house. My dad, I'm not sure where he's at in his faith, so I start talking to him about the gospel. And then, uh, and then my aunt and uncle that are just sitting in the room, they're like, well, what do you mean the gospel? Uh, and which is like, yes, Lord. Uh, like God will give you more. Like when you're bold, God will give you more opportunities. And so I started sharing, and I'm like in the, in the room with my family. I'm telling them the gospel of Jesus. And like they haven't heard it. Uh, and what was funny is my aunt and uncle were like, oh, yeah, we believe this. And I was like, and I, that day I realized like they are believers. They're Christians. They started talking to us about like mission trips they went on in this 
this old church they were a part of, but they've like, their, their faith has grown cold. And I'm like, guys, like, let's get into this. And they're actually moving to our city. So I'm like, you got to come to church with us. It's a whole thing. But boldness. We were at Target one time checking out. There was nobody in our line, which I'm always like, Holy Spirit, you want me to talk to this cashier? So I start talking to the cashier, you know, and, and asking her. She just left her church. She seemed pretty depressed and heartbroken. Uh, and just trying to be encouraged, uh, encouraging. And, you know, she's, you can just tell. She's, she's feeling loved. She's like, she's happy. And then the lady behind us is like, like, what church are you guys a part of? Like, she's listening to us because she's like, what church talks this boldly? What church, like, loves people like this? And she wants to know. And so uh, we talked to her, and I was like, you know, God will often, like, yeah, I think this is what you see. Like, Jesus, how did he see big groups of people? It was through boldness, right? So casual evangelism, again, it's, it's those random, it's that target, it's wherever you're at, waiters, waitresses. I have a ton of stories. I was getting a visectomy. I might have shared the gospel with my urologist. <laughs> That's a true story. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't that long ago. That's bold faith. Uh, <laughs> the the anti-anxiety pill they gave you helped. So you're like, I have no fears. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it turned out he, I like got his whole Christian. He turned out he was a Christian, by the way. So I got his whole background. He hadn't been going to church since COVID. I was like, you should go, man. Uh, after this, after you're done with this. Uh, <laughs> but... Like here, at the end of the day, here's what I, our job is to sow seeds in the gospel. That's bold invitations. Jesus gave invitations. Uh, God makes the seeds grow. You know the parable of the seed sower? Like the seed sower went out to sow seeds. Some fell on the path. Some fell on the shallow soil. Some fell on the weeds. Like, you notice how it just went everywhere? I think that's God's call. Faithfully, just everywhere we go, um, just sharing the gospel. And God makes it grow. Um, I think sometimes we try to be too discerning, like, is this person ready? Or let me have, like, I've known a lot of people when it comes to sharing faith, they want to have all the objections handled, all the big questions answered. Uh, If if somebody's coming to me and they're like, I just don't know how God could allow so much suffering, I always personalize. And I'm like, hey, listen, here's what I know. Those those questions are worth talking about. But here's what I know. Jesus loves you, and he loves you enough to have died for you on the cross. And I just keep bringing it back to them. And what happens is, I've had people, what what you really find out is oftentimes, more often than not, the big objections up here are just blocks because their heart is wounded. Uh, And as I just faithfully walk with them, show compassion, I've had people, like, they completely flip, and they're like, I just don't believe God could ever love me. That was the last guy who had a big objection. He's like, I just don't believe God could ever love me. And I was like, he does. And he's like, he can't. And I was like, he does. And I'm like reading the Bible. And I'm like, have you heard? Like, that's my favorite thing, by the way. People don't know what's in the Bible. So I open it up and I read it. And they're like, you ever heard that? And they're like, no. Are you sure that's in there? And I'm like, yeah, look. <laughs> it's right in there. And they're like, really? And, you know, I mean, that God loves them. Right? With Jesus, right? We see him. Uh, uh, we see, when he invited the disciples, I'm going to just summarize this one. Matthew 4, he invites the disciples in. And, and he just literally says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They just went with him. And then you have the rich young ruler where Jesus invited him in. Uh, He says, Jesus, looking at him and loved him, he said to him, you lack one thing. He says, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. He offers an invitation. And what happens? The rich young ruler walks away. Jesus doesn't say, well, hold on, wait. Let me tell you about the the, the financial blessings. He He just lets him go. He doesn't say, hey, let me tell you how. Like, he doesn't argue with him. Now, I'm not saying like, our, we don't try to persuade. I'm saying our main job is not persuasion. Our main job is invitation, right? And that changes everything. I, I find a lot of times what happens is Christians, I think most Christians, especially us spirit-filled Christians, we, we, we want to share our faith. We want to share the gospel. We start, we run into the person who has five objections. We start reading all the apologetics. We start going, and then we go and we start talking about apologetics instead of talking about Jesus. And then we think, well, now I got to have everything. And we never go boldly in simple faith uh, just offering invitations. Jesus offered invitations. He told the disciples, he said, hey, when you go into the city, if the house welcomes you, go in and bless it. If they don't, shake the, feet, the dust off your feet and move on, right? I would say this is a, 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 the picture, the practical picture of the seed sower, just sowing everywhere all the time. Um, there is a place for apologetics, but let me tell you something. It isn't your sharpest weapon, all right? The grace of Jesus is your sharpest weapon. The truth of the gospel is a sharp, sharp weapon, may, way sharper than apologetics. Like just the gospel message itself, the love that you show to your friends uh, and, and strangers, that is a sharper weapon than apologetics. It has a place, but it's not the best place to start. It's not the sharpest weapon in your tool belt, and I think we often think it is. Um, so anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start winding down here. Um, 
I'm going to give you a very practical set of tips. Uh, then we're then I want to I want to invite the band up and pray for us. But let me give you these these invita- these practical invitations first. So uh, I see this as three depths of invitation. So your main job is faithful invitation. And, um, and the first level of invitation is this. It's invitation into conversation. That's what I call it. So I'm just, I try to be pleasant, uh, like a nice little Midwestern guy should be. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I just try to be pleasant where I go like, hey, how are you doing today? How are things going? And if people want to talk, I'll engage them in conversation. If they don't, I kind of drop the ball, you know, or I, I just, I'd like to shake the dust off my feet, you know, but I'll t- I might try a couple of times like, hey, how's your day going? You know, how are things going? And if they don't want to talk, they don't want to talk. Uh, but if they do want to talk, uh, like the other day, last Saturday, I was out walking, and there was a disc golf tournament going on, and there's this group of four guys walking, and, and I was like, hey, how are you guys doing today? And all four guys look at me, and they're all happy, because it's Saturday morning, they're at a disc golf tournament, and, uh, and, uh, and this is a great example of how it goes. I'm, you know, they're like, oh, we're doing great, and I was like, and I look at them, they're playing disc golf, contextualize. I was like, hey, which one of you guys is the best at this, right? Like a little joke. They all start kind of laughing. They're like, oh, we're all pretty even. This is a disc golf tournament. So I stopped, talked to the guy about disc golf. I was wearing a church shirt. So he's like, oh, hey, we got a bunch of church guys. And I go, oh, I go, are any of you guys church guys? Uh, and immediately, boom, spiritual conversation. Uh, but it starts with like a very normal conversation. And actually, ended up having a moment with one of the guys who grew up, he deconverted from Catholicism, uh, but he's never read the Bible, right? And most people aren't going to talk to him about that, but the Holy Spirit wants to talk to him about that. And so I sowed a seed, and that guy's heart was loving you know, and kind to him. So invitation number one is an invitation to conversation, just being loving and warm towards strangers, uh, which is very countercultural, by the way, but very Christ-like. Uh, so you know, just because something's awkward in the culture, Jesus transcends culture, uh, and I think, honestly, compassion and love loves people more than it hates awkwardness. Um, and I think that's important to know. Uh, you see a cute kid out. Hey, your child is adorable. Oh my gosh, my pride and joy. And they start talking. Hey, you guys go to church anywhere? Uh, you know, boom. Uh, so, my, so that leads me, my second invitation is an invitation to spiritual conversation, which my go-to typically is, hey, do you go to church anywhere? Uh, hey, do you consider yourself a Christian? Uh, sometimes I'll ask, hey, do you consider yourself a person of faith? Uh, and if I'm feeling particularly bold, I might say, hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Which gets you there real quick. Uh, uh, or they look at you like, what did you just say? Uh, but that, that, it actually fades, and then they like, start talking to you. It's just sometimes a little initial shock. Uh, but I bet you Jesus said stuff that got some initial shock. Uh, and uh, So anyway, the, and then once you're talking, you know, Matt and I were one time at a restaurant, and I asked this gal, it's funny because we had two conversations. She was our, waiter, or our waitress, and, uh, and I was like, hey, I go, um, I said, hey, when you get a minute, I'd love to ask you a question. And she's like, oh, I got time. And I was like, oh, I actually wasn't that prepared for the moment. But I was like, hey, I go, do you go to church anywhere? Like, do you consider yourself a Christian? Can I ask two at once, you know? And, and, and she's like, oh, yeah. And, and she was caught off guard. And it was like kind of uncomfortable. And she was like talking about Catholicism. And I was asking her if she ever read the Bible. And because uh, she said she grew up Catholic. And again, by the way, I keep talking about Catholicism. I'm not, it's just, these are just the stories that I'm sharing. We love our Catholic brothers and sisters. Uh, there are differences, obviously, between Protestants and Catholics. But, uh, but so she had grown up in that. And, and was, you could tell she was feeling burnt. She's like, oh, I know I got to get back into it. I know I got, and she was very works based um, in, her, in her conversation. And Anyway, she walks away, and I'm like, that went so bad. Matt's here. I'm like, that's embarrassing. Like, hey, let's, let's be bold. And it's like, I, like I'm like, Lord, you're going to make this go so well. And I'm, Matt's going to be like, wow, this, that was, Mike, you, the Spirit is upon you. And he's like, he was like, well, good job, bud. You know, like, and, and I'm like, oh, man, Matt. Uh, and Kurt McCutcheon, another pastor, is like, yeah, you know. Yeah, that was basically uh, so then I go, guys, I'm going go, to say one more thing. I go, I'm going to say one more thing. She's our waitress. You know, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm just going to encourage you to read the Bible starting in the, in the book of John. Because like, most people have never read the Bible. Actually, that's how I got saved. Reading the New Testament for the first time, I met Jesus. And I was like, why did no one tell me this? That was one of my first thoughts. And who is this <laughs> you know, that takes away the sins of man? <laughs> like, what is this? Like, I didn't know. Uh, and so she comes back around. And I was like, hey, I go, I'm sorry. I go, I didn't mean for that to be weird earlier. And she goes, no, no, no. And I said, and I, told, I have what I call my tense second testimony where I'm like, I was a, I said, I was an agnostic scientist and I read the Bible and it changed my life forever. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And I just love to talk about it because I know people have thoughts and oftentimes, you know, they don't know where to start in the Bible or they don't know what to do with God. And I just like to help them. Uh, and so, and then we have like a 10 minute conversation. Like I end up inviting her to Jubilee church because we were in St. Louis at the time. Like, and, and we talk about Jesus. We talk about the Bible. And she's like, you know what? I've always thought about reading the Bible. I have a Bible. I've never read it. I carry around these little Bible reading plans. They're little 
little business cards and they can write a church invite. And they have a little like, hey, here's how you start reading the Bible. Uh, and it starts in the New Testament just to get them to Jesus and um, Anyway, it was a great thing. So uh, invitation into spiritual conversation can be very powerful. You never know. And uh, in that situation, it went, I thought it went real bad, and then it turned into this wonderful, wonderful thing. It took boldness to bring it up the second time. Uh, and then so the last invi- so invitation to, to conversation, being loving, warm, loving and warm towards strangers, invitation to spiritual conversation, and then the last invitation is an invitation to Jesus. Uh, and so that's a little more direct. I kind of gave you the, the, my path there is I just share, I say, what do you know about Jesus? And if they begin to ask, I'll share scriptures with them. Uh, if I don't have a Bible with me, I mean, I have Matthew 11 memorized. I have a couple of passages. I have Hebrews. There's a reason I have them memorized uh, because I use them as I'm sharing the gospel with people. They're kind of my go-tos. Ephesians 2, uh, I, I have that memorized, so I'll share that with people. And, um, uh, and so anyway, um, you, don't ha- you, know, you can carry this stuff around in your pocket. Um, but hopefully this is helpful. Here's the thing. Um, I'm winding down. I, I'm sorry if this might have been a little bit long, tiny bit long. I apologize for that, Matt. Uh, but uh, here's, here's the thing. I genuinely believe for most Christians, we need more boldness. Uh, we need more empowerment. We need more faith in this. Uh, and the big idea today is to recognize salvation is a miraculous work of God done by God through the faithful sharing of the gospel. Like hopefully you can feel your faith stirring. Uh, but I just, I want to make an invitation for you that if you're here um, and you're like, you know what, like I want, I want a fresh uh, just outpouring of the Spirit. I want a fresh outpouring of just boldness to be evangelistic. I want God to fill me with some evangelistic gift. Uh, I just, I, here's what I want to do. I want to invite us all to close our eyes, and I'm just going to have you stand, if that's you, where you're at, and, uh, and I'm going to pray for you. So let's all just close our eyes, and if you're here and you're like, I want this in my life. I want to boldly share the gospel. I want to be refreshed in the Spirit. I want to be refreshed in my faith. Uh, and I want to I see God move through me. I just invite you to stand. And I'm just going to pray for us to close before we worship that God would pour this out into you. Heavenly Father, I do. I just, I'm so thankful for this church, these brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know you, I pray this morning you would reveal yourself. You're the God who died for our sins, who rescues us from the pit, who brings light where there's darkness. I pray that you would stir us greatly, draw us more into you. And for those who are here and they're saying, I want to be bold evangelistically, I pray right now, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on this church. Father, refresh us. You say you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Lord, I pray, make this church a church of witnesses, spirit-empowered, joyful, compassionate witnesses of Jesus. I pray for increased faith that it's a work you do. It's not about our effort. It's about our obedience, Jesus. You do the work as we simply obey. Father, I pray for a fresh outpouring of faith and obedience to evangelize. Do that here. God, by your miraculous power. Lord, I want to hear stories in the coming weeks from Matt. Like, oh, I heard this story of this person sharing their faith. God, I want stories to stir one another up. Bold faith lights a fire in other Christians. I pray, Lord, that you would just start a fire here at Trinity. Bless my brothers and sisters here. Lord, we pray you do all this.